The following message was given at Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. Open them to Proverbs chapter 30. We're looking at verses 10 through 20 this evening. I find it interesting as we consider this passage and what was just prayed for with regards to leaving a lasting mark which I'll explain in a moment, but consider Marilyn and the mark she left. We, when we think of her, we think of the encouragement and faithfulness. And I know some of you may have not met her, those who are new, but those who have been around for a while, you know what we're talking about. An encouraging saint, and we hope that we can leave that kind of legacy or mark on those around us being reminded of God's faithfulness and, and being, in, being an encouragement. So, Proverbs chapter 30, verses 10 through 20, let's now hear the word of the living God. Do not slander a servant to his master, lest he curse you and you be held guilty. There are those, or there is a generation, who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. There are those who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. There are those, how lofty their eyes, how high their eyelids. There are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives, to devour the poor from off, from off the earth, the needy from among mankind. The leech has two daughters, give and give. Three things are never satisfied, four never say enough. Sheol, the barren womb, the land never satisfied with water, and the fire that never says enough. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Three things are too wonderful for me. For I do not understand the way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man with a virgin. This is the way of an, of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we ask for your blessing upon this, Your Word. We ask for Your Spirit to attend it powerfully, to illumine this text of Scripture. We pray that You would be with both speaker and hearer, and that You would exalt Yourself. We ask that You would apply this Word to our hearts, that You would attend it by the power of Your Holy Spirit to make it profitable for us, for our good, for our edification, for our building up in the faith. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, have you ever thought about the mark that you want to leave behind? Now, I'm not talking about glorifying yourself. I'm not talking about leaving a legacy where you boast in yourself. And neither should you really expect to be found in the history books. I'm talking about the type of impact 
that you have on those around you, especially your family. Will people be better for having known you and been around you? Or will they have been worse off? Well, part of wisdom is considering what sort of impact or lasting mark you will leave behind. And this is what our passage focuses in on here. But it does so in a way that calls us to consider the negative impact that one might have, given that we are sinners. And so what I want us to look at are three lasting marks that we don't want to leave. First is rebellion. The second is reception. And then the third, uh, rub off or rub away. You know, really, this is just me trying to alliterate. I just don't learn. And so I hope it makes sense later on. Anyway, first, rebellion. Uh, This is how one views authority. And this is one... This is how one uses their authority, or really their ability to act in situations. So verse 10, do not slander a servant to his master, lest he curse you and you be held guilty. So this is slandering a slave to his master or going to one's superior, going to the one's authority. Back in that day, a master had quite a bit of power over uh, his slaves, and so he could really make his life miserable. And if you would slander or give a bad report about that slave, which is either a false report or doing so with false motives in order to make his life miserable, it really could impact that servant's life, and he would have no recourse in that day. And so bringing a bad report about him could cost him dearly, and it would really be at no risk to yourself. Or so this person who slanders would think, because the word of God says here that this servant, this slave, actually does have recourse with his maker. The slave could curse the slanderer, and then the slanderer would be held guilty. And what this is referring to is appealing to God for revenge. And God would bring about revenge for that wrong done. Just because the slave does not have recourse with men does not mean that he has no recourse with his maker. On the contrary, God shows no partiality and is concerned with those, whomever they are, The God of the universe defends the cause of the poor, the oppressed. He is the voice of the one without a voice. And so men are to fear God knowing that He sees and knows everything and that God will repay. So do not think that just because there are no apparent consequences, because men can get away with it, before men does not mean that They will get away with it before God. Now, how do we apply this to us? As those who are in Christ, seeing that there's no condemnation for us, seeing that there's no curse for us, because Christ became a curse for us. Well, during the Old Covenant, it was things like failed harvest, not having an abundance, uh, not having uh, children, uh, getting diseases, and even death. 
for believers under the new covenant, while there's no condemnation for us, there's no curse, there is still discipline. And 1 Corinthians 11 makes clear that that discipline can be as severe as dying. And we could forget what 1 Thessalonians 4 says, where it says, Let no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. So for believers, there could be discipline. Great difficulties and trials that come into our life. Just because there's a trial doesn't mean we're we're under discipline, but that could be part of it. Now for unbelievers who who remain unrepentant until the day of judgment, God will repay them to their face. As the Bible says, God is a God of vengeance, and it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And it's something I think we need to keep in mind when we see injustice in this world. It's only going to be for a moment. God will repay. And then verse 11. There are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. Now, verses 11 through 14 in the ESV where it says there are those is simply the word generation. So there's a generation. Now, a generation is a group of people who share a main characteristic, uh, whether it's a time frame. We tend to associate in our day a generation is that basically what you share in common is the, the time frame in which you were born or uh, what we would refer to as a certain breed. That is a kind, a certain kind of people who have distinctly similar characteristics. Here the Word of God focuses on negative characteristics. It begins with those with how one regards their parents. Parents really are the first authority figure that we encounter in this life. Scripture places a heavy value on them. How you regard them or how you treat them really is an indication of what kind of person you are and how you will interact and view others. It will reveal how you treat other important people in your life. Here we see a pretty hardened generation or breed of people. They curse their fathers. That is, they ask God to punish them, and the implication here is they don't deserve it. Uh, They wish them harm, even death on them. And they do not bless their mothers. So just because one remains silent and does not actively curse does not mean that they are free of this sin. Uh, To bless is to be thankful for one's mother, to speak good words both of and to her. Now, for sure, parents do sin against us, and they do fail us. because. They are sinners, and yet God is speaking this in this world to those who are sinners. So he knows that parents are going to sin against us, and yet we are still to honor them. Now, there's extreme circumstances where a parent has abused or even abandoned their children, but outside of extreme circumstances, a parent's sin 
is not a good reason to curse or refuse to bless them. And this will result in being cursed themselves. Look at verse 17. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. It's pretty vivid imagery here. We see that disobedience to parents and disobedience to authority is a serious thing in the sight of God. Now, having one's eyes plucked out in a valley by birds of prey is a sign of being cursed. That's what this is. It's you're cursed. So the one who rejects authority to the point of mocking, hating, cursing, and greatly disrespecting, uh, refusing to honor and obey them, will end up being cursed by God, unless, of course, they repent and find forgiveness and deliverance from their sin in Christ. But why would anyone treat their parents this way? Well, verses 12 through 13. There are those who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. There are those, how lofty their eyes, how high their eyelids lift. So why would someone have such disdain for authority? Well, it comes down to this. Pride. First, as verse 11 says, they are clean in their own eyes. That is, they think that they are so good and righteous. They think that they are better or holier than thou. If I was in that position, I would certainly get it right. They have no idea what they are doing. And this is why their eyes are lofty and their eyelids are high. Just figures of speech to refer to great pride. In our vernacular, we would, we would say things like their noses are lifted up high or something to that effect. The expression is similar here. Meanwhile, they are still covered in the filth of their sin. And this is actually why someone would have such disdain for parents. They see their parents' sin of being blind to their own. It's easy to be hard on one's parents until you become a parent yourself. It's, it's quite humbling when you see a reflection of your own sin in your children. And, like, am I really like that? <sighs> but then they turn around and use their ability or power to take advantage of others. Look at verse 14. There are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives to devour the poor from off the earth, the needy. From among mankind. You know, this generation, they despise authority, they're self righteous, and then they turn around and they devour others. These figures of speech, of teeth being swords and fangs being knife, refers to violence against the most vulnerable in society, doing great harm to them for the sake of their own gain. The poor and needy refers to more than someone's economic status. It refers to how vulnerable someone is, really without protection, without a lot of power, without help, without a voice. This breed tears up their lives because they are easy prey. And they do it for their own advantage and gain. They do not seek to use their power or abilities to bless others. Rather, they seek how they may use others for their own advantage. 
And this brings us to the second lasting mark that we don't want to leave, and that is reception. That is, I only want to take, don't want to give. Verse 15, the leech has two daughters, give and give. Now there's a reason why the proverb is speaking about leeches. It's not a science book. The scripture is a holy book about our faith and practice. And so the leech here is being used to portray someone who just wants to use and take from others. They seek, they, they suck the life out of you. That's what the leech does. It attaches to an animal and just sucks. It's there not to give, it's there to take. And so this leech cries, give and give. That is its daughters. Now it's not talking about literal children. It's talking about, in a figure of speech, this is what it produces. <laughs> give, give. It just wants to take. It's crying give because it wants others to give to it. And so this type of person, their relationship is about what others can do for them and how others may serve them. Rather than it being about how they can give and bless others. And while we certainly want to be thankful for how others bless us, because others' gifts are for the purpose of blessing others, and we are recipients of that at times, yet we need to keep in mind that we exist to love, serve, and bless others. As Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Besides, if our mindset is give, give, we will never be satisfied as the rest of verse 15 and verse 16 go on to show. It says three things are never satisfied. Four never say enough. Sheol, the barren womb, the land never satisfied with water, and the fire that never says enough. Now this saying of three things and then four is Hebrew poetry. It's poetry that is meant to express emphasis or to escalate in order to draw our attention to what's being said. On the heels of a leech who always takes, referring to someone who always wants, the proverb goes on to give four things that take and are never satisfied. The grave never says enough. The grave never says, hey, sorry, we're at capacity, no more, you're just going to have to stay alive on earth. The grave is always taking in souls. The barren woman refers to a woman whose desire is never satisfied. She longs for children. And that longing never goes away, is never satisfied, but remains. The, the land drinks water and can sometimes flood, but even then it eventually dries up and constantly needs rain. And one of the things about living in, in our region is, unfortunately, most summers we have to breathe in smoke because of wildfires. And I used to think that if we got a bunch of precipitation in the spring, we would not have to deal with wildfires. And I've been very wrong about that. I remember one year living in Montana, 
we got a, a, a bunch of snow that spring, and then it rained a bunch that June, and it was very unusual. And I thought, oh good, we don't have to breathe in smoke uh, all summer long, except for the smoke that California sends over. But after a few weeks, everything dried up and it was starting on fire again. It, it, it was uh, amazing. So the land could continue to drink water, but still it's never satisfied. And then speaking of fire, uh, a fire never says enough. It will keep going as long as it has something to burn. It's not just going to magically stop at a spot and say, you know, I think I'm good here. It's just going to keep on going. Well, coming off the heels of being like a leech, the Proverbs is showing that we will never be satisfied if this is our mindset. We think that. We think things like, if I just had more, if I just had more money, if I just had more time, if I just had more, if I just didn't have this in my life, if I had more of that in my life, then, then finally I would be satisfied and happy. But this is simply a lie. Like Sheol, like the land, like fire, like the barren womb, our desire will never be quenched. We will never be satisfied with this kind of heart. This will only leave a mark of taking and being a burden rather than giving and being a blessing. A third and final lasting mark that we don't want to leave. We've seen first rebellion, second reception. Third, rub off or rub away. And what I mean is somebody who tries to cover their tracks, try to, tries to rub it off or erase it. Verses 18 through 19. Three things are too wonderful for me, four I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man with a virgin. Now what all these have in common is that they leave no trace behind. They leave no mark. An eagle does not leave a trail in the air. A serpent would leave a trail in the dirt, but not on a rock. A ship forges forward through water, but the water soon closes back in over it, not showing any trail. And given how the first three focus on leaving no trace behind it, the last one of a man with a virgin fits in this context as well. It could be that it refers to him hiding his intentions, his love towards her, or it could be a secret relationship that is concealed where he leaves no trace behind. In any case, the proverb lists these out to build up to verse 20, which says, This is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. So just as the four things mentioned act without leaving a trace, so also the adulteress. In figurative language of somebody eating and wiping their mouth to remove any evidence of having eaten, she commits her immoral act and then she covers her tracks so that she can claim she has done no wrong. What this reveals to us is that when we live in sin, or when we live in immorality, rather than leaving a mark behind, 
we seek to cover it up. We seek to erase any mark or cover our tracks. It's like the one who deletes his browsing history or the one who deletes his texts or erases emails to cover up their sin. But it is only corruption that one wants to cover up. They certainly don't want to try to cover any good. It's only corruption that they try to erase in order to save face. It is rubbing away one's marks in order to try to preserve a good lasting mark. But this will not leave a lasting mark, but will end up being found out because, as Scripture says, your sins will find you out. Think of Ravi Zacharias. He wrote some pretty helpful apologetic material. If you ever listened to some of the debates he did, he was really quite phenomenal in his ability to argue, to reason against unbelievers. Now, sadly, it was discovered that he was living a life of sin, where he was committing egregious sexual sins with uh, younger women and intimidated young women into sexual acts. And in order to cover his tracks, he threatened them with slander, and he threatened to expose them. So he lived a life of sin that he had to try to cover up in a race. And sadly, it was that sin that ended up actually covering up any lasting mark or good legacy he could have had because of that sin. And so we should seek in no way to live in sin, but to turn away from it and seek to daily repent of our sinful desires if we want to leave a lasting mark in blessing and benefiting others. But we do thank and praise our Lord Jesus Christ that He has covered all our tracks. While we do not want to live in hypocrisy and while we want to seek to repent from sin, yet we know at the end of the day that we all are sinners, that we still sin, that we still have remaining sin. But thanks be to God that our Lord Jesus Christ has covered our tracks. Before the throne of God, there is no trace of any of our sin. This is because we have been washed away from our filth. As it says here in Proverbs, there are those whose filth is not washed away. How do we deal with our filth? It needs to be washed away. We don't clean ourselves up. Rather, the Lord washes it away from us, which is washed in the blood of Christ, the only cleansing agent that washes away our sin. Our dear Lord loved us and gave Himself up for our sins so that that certificate that tracked all our sins And if there's anyone who could track every single one of our sins, it's our omniscient God who has tracked, who could track all sins. But that certificate that tracked all our sins has been forever removed from us, nailed to the cross. And instead, the track record that counts as ours is our Lord's perfect track record. Our Lord's perfect righteousness that He lived in our place. That is what is counted as ours before God as a free gift through the empty hand of faith. 
And so there is no trace of our sin before the eyes of God for us who have believed because our Lord Jesus has perfectly covered it all. Therefore, we want to live for Him. We don't want to be about leaving a mark to glorify ourselves, to boast in ourselves, to make it about us. Rather, we want to leave a mark. We want to make an impact for Christ and His kingdom. We want to live for His praise and honor and bring glory to Him, to Him, radiating His glory in our lives. And so we want to honor those in authority. We don't want to be self-righteous. We want to acknowledge our sin and we want to confess Christ's righteousness as our only righteousness before God. We want to seek to help the weak. We do not want to be receivers only who live for ourselves, whose heart cry is, give, give to me. Rather, we want to say, give, give to others. How may I be a blessing to others? And we want to have a track record of walking in integrity and holiness before the Lord. Not needing to cover our tracks because of hypocrisy, but all the while knowing that our whole sinful track record has been forever covered by the blood of Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask that you would help us to be those who have a track record of integrity and holiness. But we also know, Lord, that we fall short, that we still sin daily, and that at the end of the day, we have not measured up. And so we bless you and we thank you for Christ's perfect track record counted as ours, and that our evil track record has been forever erased from your sight by the blood of Christ. Let us, from that knowledge, live grateful lives for your glory and for your honor. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. To receive more information about Trinity Bible Church or to support the ministry, go to tbcwyoming.com. That is tbcwyoming.com.